Welcome to Inside the Castle, the podcast that goes behind castle doors to have real conversations with real people about solving the nation's toughest challenges. I'm one of your hosts today, Aaron Snyder. And I'm Angie Fryermuth. Today we have a very special guest with us who's a senior civilian leading the Corps Civil Works mission, Mr. Eddie Belk, the Director of Civil Works. Thanks for being here today, Mr. Belk. Hey, thanks, Aaron. I, I appreciate you and you and Angie giving me the opportunity and look forward to the discussion. So, Mr. Belk, I, I assume getting to the Director of Civil Works position is a long journey. Um, and before we talk about you know, your vision and where you intend to take the Corps Civil Works mission, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how you got to become the Director of Civil Works? <laughs> yeah, thanks, Aaron. Absolutely happy to. I wonder about that myself sometimes. Um, so I've got a, a bachelor's degree in civil engineering and a master's in engineering management. And so I actually started my career in the private sector. I worked for uh, consulting engineering firms in Memphis and then later in Little Rock. Uh, three or so years into that process, for some reason, I felt drawn to work on the Mississippi River. I grew up within a few miles of the river. Uh, it had always fascinated me. And so I decided that's what I would do. I applied. I lived in Little Rock at the time. I applied to Little Rock. I applied to Memphis and finally got a job as a temporary GS9 in Memphis District <laughs> working on a hydrographic survey crew. So we would get up at, you know, we leave, I think, at 530 on Monday and uh, get back. Supposedly Thursday evening is four 10 hour days, but we would end up working Friday most days, but that was great. I loved it out on the river, seeing everything firsthand, wandering up and down the river and the adjacent uh, woods in uh, middle of nowhere. And it was really a great job, but it then it got even better because when I finally, it, I spent, uh, I think, I don't know, six months in a temp in that temporary nine. Of course, my wife wondered, what are you, what are you thinking? You know, we <laughs> temporary, leave a permanent for a temporary you know it's uh, probably not the you know the most financially astute thing we ever did but it worked out because about six months in or so got a permanent job actually working in river engineering part of memphis so i was really blessed i landed exactly where i had wanted to land and somehow it worked out and so so i went to work in memphis district and spent about the first third of my career in engineering working, you know, river-related stuff, but whether it be construction, maintenance, you know, revetment, dikes, channel improvement, dredging, all of that. So really got a kind of a broad view of all things Mississippi River. And uh, at some point, I was, I actually became chief of that section, chief of, of river engineering, uh, which was a great job. At some point, I uh, was asked to go to project management for three months to serve uh, behind one of my uh, peers who had gone off uh, to a school ended up staying for years. <laughs> so I started the project management part of my career and uh, worked my way up and was finally uh, DPM there in the district. I, I never contemplated leaving Memphis, frankly. I, I certainly didn't, you know, when many upward mobility opportunities once you're, you know, at a DPM, but at some point, I got a call from uh, General Walsh at MBD, and, hey you, and so I went down uh, to MBD working in uh, Civil Works Integration Division. I served there <laughs> about a month. It's just cra it's crazy how things work. I served there about a month and then uh, the Regional Business Director retired 
and so General Walsh moved me, moved me into that position in an acting capacity. I served there and then finally got a permanent deal and uh, I applied and was selected for the program director at, at MVD. And so that was great. Got, you know, it, it really is a huge difference when you go from a district to, to a regional perspective. That's just amazing. You know, I, I thought I was all that when I was in Memphis, but when I got to MVD, I found out I was not, I was a lot I don't, I didn't know. And I learned to be humble because there was, there was a lot to get my mind wrapped around. And then uh, at some point I got another Hey You from uh, General Peabody at headquarters to come to headquarters, uh, which I was happy to do. Well, I don't know if I was happy. I was a little concerned, frankly, because going to D.C., I had never planned that. That was not anything on my aspiration list. My wife and I talked about it, and I took that leap of faith. And boy, what a great what a great decision. I spent a couple of years as chief of operations and regulatory for the Corps, and then I think three more or so, a little over three more, as um, chief of programs integration division at headquarters. And, so, and then... Five or so years in, I really wanted to get back to family in, in Mississippi. So the chief reassigned me back to MVD as a program director, and so uh, suddenly I find myself back here. So it's been a it's been a great a great journey, and really it's a, a testament to um, you know what a great place the core is. You, you, I mean, I had no aspirations of ever leaving a district, but suddenly um, I'm in DC and DCW position. So. Everybody has that same opportunity, and it's just pretty amazing when you think about it. At some point, I, I did take a, have a couple of tours in Iraq, which were huge learning experiences. Uh, really, I think, shaped a lot. Uh, I got to work with people and learn things I wouldn't have ever learned before, and so that was a tremendous opportunity. And again, I would commend anybody listening who has an opportunity to serve in other positions, particularly overseas, take those opportunities because it's in incredible what you learn. I feel like that's one of the strengths of the core is having the ability to have an opportunity to test out other areas within the core and build uh, your diverse background. And I'm sure your diverse background is very helpful in the position that you're in now. And so I know that you've been in the director of civil works position for a few months now. So you, can you tell us about your experience so far? Yeah, be happy to. Uh, first, I, I'll just say, I'm not sure I chose my career. My my career, I think, chose me. And and the fact that I'm sitting in in DCW position uh, is part of that. You know, first, I'm very grateful to the chief uh, for giving me the opportunity to serve as the director of civil works. I've spent my entire poor career in civil works, so to me, it kind of represents the opportunity of a lifetime. I, I'm still quite humbled when I get up each morning to find myself serving as a director of civil works. Honestly, after having served for over five years at headquarters previously, as indicated earlier, chief of operations and regulatory and then chief of programs integration, my wife and I really weren't expecting a return to D.C., but again, it's just another great example of how a uh, door can open within the core on a different opportunity to serve. So uh, particularly excited uh, to serve in such historic times for the core and for the civil works program. We have unprecedented levels of uh, funding and investment that represents tremendous trust and confidence by the administration and the Congress for making those resources available to us. We also have uh, historic and unprecedented authorities. The last few, uh, you know, most people look at, at this massive workload and they look at the funding and that is significant and it is definitely historic, but 
I think the, the flip side of the coin is just the incredible authority that Congress has given us over the last few authorization cycles, WARDA cycles, uh, to do all kinds of new things. I think, frankly, I think we're still absorbing all of that and and putting it into into play. But those two things making it really exciting time to be in civil works. Now, with those resources come great expectations from the administration, uh, from the Congress, and frankly, from our project partners. And so uh, we've got to get up every day and go to work and be worthy of that trust and confidence uh, and work to continue to be relevant. You know, we <laughs> I tell folks all the time, we're in a what have you done for me lately business. I mean, we really, really are. It's, it's you know, the things we did, you know, last year or last month are great, but it's what's the next thing you're going to do. It really is what have you done for me lately, but I embrace that. That's kind of what keeps things exciting, and and every day is an opportunity to to uh, to serve. You know, as I've gotten reacquainted with DC and and reacquainted with being back at the headquarters, I tell you, I've also had the privilege to again experience what wonderful people we have across the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, uh, certainly in the civil works programs. While we face significant change and historic demands, I, I'm very confident our people are more than equal to the challenge. In terms of uh, the job itself, just still drinking from the fire hose. You know, my past service at headquarters has been helpful, uh, but it's a little different at headquarters uh, like it is the rest of the Corps. As we work in the post-COVID environment, a lot of virtual uh, actions, some a lot of remote positions. Uh, I've got some members of my staff I've talked to or seen on a video but haven't met yet. Uh, but I think that's common across the core. So, you know, adapting to the new to that new reality and building the team uh, using those tools, I think, is, a, is another thing to, that I've had an opportunity to, to to learn and embrace. Yeah, I think it's interesting. You know, it's great hearing from you talking about the unprecedented funding, unprecedented authorities that we have. Well, one thing we don't have is unprecedented staffing. Um, so we're asking our same number of staff to to carry out this really expanded mission and and to kind of to meet the demands of the public the what have you done for me lately question uh what is the core doing to deliver the mission knowing that we have these kind of staffing constraints a traditional level uh but yet a huge mission to, to carry out yeah i think that's a couple of things we've got to do first we actually have, have hired over six thousand people over the last two years over 6,000 new employees over the last few years. Uh, now, the challenge is our turnover has been uh, close to that. <laughs> we are hiring, bringing in tremendous talent around the core. Our challenge is uh, is to develop uh, that talent, give folks uh, that meaningful work and supervisors to take the time to see uh, to their development so that we're building the bench for the future. There's also a lot of room for innovation. We look at, at what we're doing and how we do things and look for opportunities to, to get better. I mentioned earlier, I am so impressed with, with the people around the core. I, I, you know, I get to see it every day from here at the national level. And, and so I just think we've got to unleash the innovation and the, the ability of our folks to get after all of the, these historic uh, demands. Of course, we, we've also got to leverage all the other resources at our disposal, whether it be, you know, private sector. You know, obviously we use a lot of private sector almost entirely for our construction program, but for our engineering 
and planning and O&M folks that require technical support, we can we can hire that through the private sector. So we've got to leverage those those opportunities, embrace some of the new authorities and policies that we've been given over the last uh, few years by Congress and the administration and fully uh, employ those. It is a lot to wrap your mind around, but but I'm real confident again in our in the ability of our people to sort all this out. I think it all really boils down to leadership. Uh, we've got to have engaged leaders. We've got to have leaders who are willing to step up and work those innovations. You know, build uh, teams, make sure that we're developing our our staff in a way that lets us be successful uh, into the future. I want to follow up on one thing. So you talked a little bit about innovation, and, and I feel like sometimes we have these broad terms, innovation, uh, trying to do things differently. What does innovation mean to you? And what do you want to tell staff about innovation? Like, what should they be doing to innovate at all levels within the core? I think there's a personal level and there's an organizational level. I think at a personal level, we've all got to wake up every day and resolve to, to be better than we were yesterday. And that means uh, thinking of how to do things differently. Uh, how can you be a better teammate? What can you do to address whatever is on your plate that day? And and I'm not talking engineers. I'm talking biologists, talking attorneys. I'm talking resource managers. We have a, a incredible cross-section of talent and disciplines, and we all have to be committed to getting, to, getting better every day. I mean, that's just that's, I think that's what we can do individually. Uh, we've also got to be willing, you know, if we see a new way of, of, of talking about it, of selling that idea, you know, I think we're in a, a, world, a sell, not tell world. Uh, you know, you got to sell it, but don't be afraid to speak up. Don't be afraid to talk about how to do something better or different because every single person in the core has unique gifts and unique skills. And so use those and don't be afraid to, you know, to, to raise a different view or a different perspective. I think more organizationally and globally, it's about investing in research and development. We're not going to, we're not going to solve the problems of tomorrow with the tools that uh, of yesterday that created them. We've, we've got to be better than that. And I think uh, and the good news there is we had a record investment in re research and development, things that will help us develop new tools, new materials, uh, new approaches that will bear fruit in the future. And so we've had record investment this year. The administration and Congress uh, are looking to do even more in the future. And so I think we're getting the resources we need to again, uh, look at the research that we're doing today that can help us three to five years from now make a huge uh, difference uh, in doing things better and, and faster and, and, and less expensively. So earlier, Aaron talked about staffing and how we're bringing on new people. What's the best piece of advice for people new to the Corps of Engineers? Yeah, so first I'd start with the fact that the Corps is, is simply an awesome place to work. It's just so many opportunities. You can come in, get incredible responsibility right out of the box. You've got a lot of opportunities for growth uh, and promotion, both from a functional standpoint, from a geographic standpoint, there's a lot of opportunities to move and vertically, you, you can go from a district to a division to a headquarters and beyond. So, so just incredible opportunities. I think I would just always remind people uh, that the core, and I'll give you an example. When I, 
when I worked in the private sector for an AE firms, uh, both those firms, I got very good at one sort of program or one sort of thing. And um, just by rote repetition, you know, just kept doing it over and over and you got pretty good at it. But when I came to the core, maybe a year or so in, was was given a lead to design a uh, a new harbor on the Mississippi River. I could barely spell harbor. And the Corps was giving me this opportunity to learn and, and took a chance on me. What an incredible opportunity it was. And so it opened my eyes to the fact that uh, you can hire a person based on potential and they can re realize that potential in the Corps of Engineers in so many different ways. And so, so I think that, you know, that I, I start with that. Um, I think in terms of just principles that, that I think find my career, uh, work hard and be proficient at whatever your duties require. Um, that's sort of a baseline requirement. Be good at, at what it, you know, whatever you're doing and, and work hard at it. I, I guess the other is um, be a good teammate, help others, leave your team better than you found it. It's thinking uh, beyond yourself and, you know, being a part of, of a better organ, making the organization better. Be positive. I think we all have a choice every single day on what our mindset will be. We all have those days. It's just tough. You know, things are going home and, uh, on at home. You know, you kids get on your nerve, whatever. But be positive and, and see opportunity and choose to have a positive attitude. I, I, I'm a big believer in the, in the saying that everybody brings joy. Everybody. It's just that some people do it on arrival and others do it on departure. So we get to choose which of those we want to be uh, and make the right choice. And then I guess the other the other piece of advice is uh, when a door opens, don't be afraid to step. I, again, I, as I said earlier, uh, my career chose me. I, I, can't, I can't say that I chose it because so many things have happened that I, I certainly didn't plan on. I don't. I didn't lay around you know at night pondering my next three chess moves in my career. It, it just didn't happen. I, a door opened and I either stepped through it or I didn't. I never conceived when I was in Memphis of leaving engineering division. I really didn't. I was going to be the chief of river engineering and, you know, probably till I retired. But then a door opened and suddenly I was, and so I never thought I'd leave DPM when I got there. And suddenly, I, I, you know, I for sure didn't ever expect to leave a district. And suddenly I found myself at, uh, at, a, at a division, at an MSC in, in the Mississippi Valley Division with no concept of ever coming to headquarters, had no idea, no no aspir and suddenly I'm so my point is don't uh, say no <laughs> uh, just because it's not something you contemplated you had not contemplated be open to to new opportunities don't be afraid to step out on on faith and I can tell you I'm a better person for it uh, over the over the years no that, that's awesome and I love the point about be positive you know I think that this job can be frustrating uh, within the core sometimes there's all kinds of challenges out there you're trying to you know, build big projects and you always have people opposed to it uh, for whatever reason, or you have people that are for it. And and those challenges um, can, can really be trying on people. So to stay positive is really important. The other thing I've heard from a lot of leaders in these podcasts is just how they take those opportunities. Uh, but I also wanna make sure that our listeners know, don't be dissuaded if you don't get an opportunity, you apply. Because I think most leaders that have came through here, they have tried for many opportunities that they didn't get. It's not like every door opens and they walk through on this golden carpet. So it is a challenge, but be positive and keep trying and, and seize those opportunities. That's a great point, Aaron, because I'll tell you, I interviewed and did not get more jobs than I ever got. Uh, there was a lot, my history is littered with disappointment uh, after I didn't get, but 
you know, I have to say, uh, looking back, it worked out for the best. Things, you know, you know, things happen for a reason. And so uh, all those many jobs that are on the trash heap of my uh, history, <laughs> it was good because uh, the, the door, the jobs I did get really were the right job for me at that time. So, so you're, but my point is, I, I made it sound like, uh, you know, all these doors are opening. No, no, I was knocking on a lot of doors and they never opened. And, and I had to go sit down and wait for another, you know, opportunity. So uh, you, you raise a great point. So, so being positive and looking to the future. So let's look five years down the road. Where do you hope that the core is in five years under your leadership? Well, I'll lay out some of the uh, opportunities that I see uh, over the next five years that are particularly important. First, obviously, is delivering this historic uh, program. You know, I, people talk about the golden age of the core and the golden age of infrastructure in the 30s, 1930s to the 1970s, and it was certainly that. But I, I would submit that we're in a second golden age right now of of infrastructure and core relevance, and so. Uh, but we've got to deliver on that. All of the all the resources, uh, you know, there's a shot clock, shot clock on on that because every day that goes by when we haven't delivered a project, somebody, some community, something is is at, at risk or exposure. So we've got to deliver the program, and we've got to be have a sense of urgency to do so. I think uh, the next big challenge over the next uh, five years would be climate adaptation. You know, we're doing I think a, a great job. You know, as we design new things, as we plan new things uh, to account for climate change and climate variability, uh, whether it be sea level rise, whether it be more intense uh, precipitation. But I think we've got the added challenge of all this existing infrastructure. We've got almost a half a trillion dollars in infrastructure that was built out, you know, over the in that 30s to 70s time. What do we do about that? How do we incorporate uh, and and make that that infrastructure more resilient. So I think that's a challenge we've got to get after because climate gets a vote, and we've got to make sure we're ready uh, ready for that. Uh, the third big challenge I see, I mentioned it earlier, training and developing the next generation of uh, technical specialists, whether whatever they be, uh, whether they be uh, PAO officers, real estate professionals, engineers, what have you, but also the next generation of leaders. There's going to be somebody sitting in this position doing an in, inside the podcast interview at some point when I'm uh, out of the picture. And so who is that? And what are we doing to, to, to create the, the folks that can continue to uh, move, move ahead and be the next generation of leaders? Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm excited about that, but we've got to be thoughtful and, and create opportunities uh, for leaders to be the best they can be. And I, I think the final point I would raise, and I could, there's a lot of points I could raise, but I'll, I'll close with the fourth one. And that's, we really can't lose our attention to quality. The Corps' reputation was built on enduring infrastructure, high quality that has stood the test of time. Uh, we've got locks and dams that were built in the 20s and 30s, still performing today as designed. But we can't lose our attention or our focus on quality. Um, that's so important to what we do and so important to, you know, the reputation that comes with that core castle. So stay focused on that and quality and whatever, certainly engineering and design is a piece of it, but in whatever you do, making sure that you continue to, to, to make sure you've got a quality product at the end of that. 
I know that the Corps has been working hard to uh, deliver the mission for the nation. And along the way, we have had significant impact on the nation. So can you talk about why the Corps matters and how we're helping the nation build strong? Yeah, well, I'll kind of maybe wax eloquent for a moment. If you look back through history at those civilizations, those societies that did well, they have two things in common. Uh, one, they invested in education. Education was important. And they invested in infrastructure. Infrastructure is important. And so I think uh, we are an infrastructure heavy agency. And so part of our job is doing our part, water resources area, to make sure that our infrastructure, water infrastructure, is adequate to the challenge of climate change. It continues to buy down risk, that it continues to perform, to strengthen supply chains as we move with uh, goods and services around the country. You know, I, I've said many times, <laughs> last time I checked, there's no rail line to Asia, there's no bridge to Europe. If we interact with those rest of the world economically, we do so by water, and that means you're the Corps of Engineer channel or port or lock and dam or something is going to be involved in that. So we owe it to the to the nation to have first class, top quality, reliable, dependable water resources infrastructure in whatever form it may take, and also make sure that it's resilient for the future, whether it's a lock or a dam or a reservoir. I think that's what we uh, owe the, owe this this nation, and I think. We've also, particularly in this administration, we've been really fortunate to have Assistant Secretary of the Army for Civil Works, uh, Mr. Mike Connor, who is incredibly effective and an incredible advocate for Civil Works. And I think uh, one of his priorities and the priorities of this administration is uh, serving the underserved, getting after, you know, those uh, who uh, may not have, you know, the property values, tribal interests, uh, who who have a lot of needs. You know, that infrastructure that we deliver and those solutions that we deliver are important to those small communities. It's not just the big giant ports and big giant, you know, flood control projects. It's also uh, for those towns and communities who need our help to be economically viable, to have quality of life, even if they're in an unaffluent part of the country and, and face challenges. So I think we can't lose sight of that when we talk about infrastructure and the value of infrastructure. Well, Mr. Buck, it's been our pleasure having you join us today for this edition of Inside the Castle. We appreciate you and your insights. To our listeners, we want to hear from you. What topics are important to you and people you're interested in hearing from? Until next time, be safe, be innovative, and be revolutionary. Thanks for joining us for this Inside the Castle podcast. To provide your feedback, email us at cw.infrastructure.team at usace.army.mil. Stay tuned for additional Inside the Castle podcasts as we explore life inside the core and revolutionize civil works together.